This evening's service I've titled, Don't Be Scared, Be Prepared. I will come back. I like the soldier. We're on the offensive, amen? And I encourage you, don't miss tomorrow morning and this week. Uh, It's going to be a great time with the truth being spoken and God showing us what to do next. But I want to encourage you. You might be wondering, what in the world is going on in this world? I mean, look at everything around us. Is there hope for the future? Does the Bible help us? Well, I want to let you know it sure does. Don't be scared. Be prepared. That is God's call. One-third of our Bible talks about prophecy. One-third of our Bible is prophecy. And most of it is end-time prophecy. Many of us believe the things that are setting themselves up right now for the return of Christ. It's all staging itself. Now, if you read Ezekiel 38, which was written about 3,000 years ago, that predicted that some of the movements that are taking place right now in our time, predicted Russia, the alliance with China, it's all predicted in Scripture. How they're moving into the Middle East, what is happening there. They're in Syria, staging themselves in what the Bible calls the Valley of Jehoshaphat, where the Battle of Armageddon will take place. There are Russian ships off the coast of Israel right now. The Bible describes this even as the names of the countries like Rosh, which is an earlier name for Russia. talks about the kings of the east. It mentions Iran, how it all fits in together. This is all in your Bible. But we should have confidence that we have a living God who not only knows the future, but is also for us and will be with us in all our ways. Amen? Now, many are concerned, and I would say rightly so. There's some crazy stuff going out there in the world today, right? Your head spins. How can even a rational human being think of things that are being discussed? But one of the main pillars of our faith, one of the main tenets of our faith, is that Jesus is coming back. Say that. Jesus is coming back. Now, he lived here once. He was resurrected. He ascended up to heaven, and he is coming back. (laughs) Now, all this end-time stuff, it's not a horror story. It's a love story. I want to say that again. All this end-time stuff is not a horror story. It's a love story. You might be saying, well, how can you say that? Well, when you think of the end times, you probably think about all the wrath and all, you know, that it's not a love story. I mean, there's judgment, there's fire and brimstone. You think about the mark of the beast, the tribulation, the 666 plagues and terror. And these things do take place. But the end times is preeminently about the love of God. And this is very evident in Scripture. The end times is about God's love for His family. I'm going to prove that to you tonight. Because if I know that God loves me, it kind of picks me up. How about you? I can be encouraged. I can walk with a spring in my step knowing if God is for me and He loves me, nothing the enemy can do will harm me. So let's kick off right here with Jesus speaking about His return. And His words are recorded here in John 14 from verse 1. And Jesus 
says, and if you're reading your Bible, the letters are in red, and we should all jump up and say, yes, sir, because the master is speaking, right? And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let's pause there. Do not let your hearts be troubled. So evidently, we can allow our hearts to be troubled. The choice is ours. Say that. It's my choice if I'm troubled or not. So do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So if I have a message for today, it's this. That if you're a Christian, you're on the winning side. In fact, I couldn't have better news for you if you're a believer. Now, if you're not a believer, I couldn't have worse news for you. If you're a Christian, you don't need to let your hearts be troubled. Say this, be prepared, not scared. So Jesus, go back to his words, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Now, Jesus is saying, I have to leave. Now, I know you all think I'm leaving too soon. That's kind of the disciples. That's what he's saying to him. I know you all think I'm leaving too soon, but I have to go. And I'm going to, I'm leaving the earth because it's not all about the earth. It's actually all about eternity. And I've got some work to do. I've got to go to heaven and prepare a room, a place for you. And then he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Notice these four words that give us so much hope. I will come back. Don't be scared. Be prepared. I will come back to take you to be with me. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, I'm going to come back and wipe out the Antichrist. I'm going to come back and wipe out all my enemies. He didn't even mention them. He's only talking about his family. What is his reason for coming back? To be with you. I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What is this? If I can put it in another way, Jesus is saying, I miss you. I love you. I want to be with you. I miss you so much. I can imagine Jesus every day getting up and said, today, Father, today. And he's about, and Father says, son, get ready. And he's on that horse. And before he goes, the Father grabs the bridle and says, hold on, son. Just a few more to be saved. Just a few more to be saved. Okay, okay. More on that next weekend. Now, this is the second coming of Christ. He said, I'm coming. I will come back. When? Well, I can tell you, and we'll talk more about it next weekend as to identify the time, but the Bible tells us that no person knows the hour or the day. But we can certainly know the seasons. And looking around us, it could be at any time. Jesus could come back any time, right? Now the signs of the times are being fulfilled and the whole world is staging itself just like biblical prophecy said that it would happen. 
Now you might say, yeah, but in the past, people have said that Jesus is coming back, you know, and there's so, but so, you know, I remember it was in 1988 or something like that. Somebody said, here's 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. And when 88 turned into 89, they said, well, here's one more reason why Jesus is coming back in 1989. There were even billboards in South Africa with some American man. Well, if he came back, we're in trouble, right? <laughs> no, he hasn't come back yet. But there is something different about this season and about this time. And before Jesus left, he gave us words to comfort us and to encourage us. Words that tell us that he's fully aware of the pressures and trials that you and I experience here on earth. Our God is not a God who doesn't feel our pain. He's not removed and divorced from what happens in our lives every single moment of every single day. As a matter of fact, he's so intimately interested in our well-being that he became a man and dwelt among us and was likewise tempted in all things. And the new covenant is sealed by the blood of a man, and that man is seated in heaven right now, the name Jesus the Christ. Wow. And before Jesus left, he gave us these words in John 16. Verse 33 in the Amplified Bible. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Outside of Jesus, there is no peace, no confidence. The absence of conflict is not peace. Does that make sense? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. You can have in the middle of conflict, have perfect peace knowing that God's got this. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. So I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustrations. But be of good cheer. Say that I must be of good cheer. What he's saying? Take courage, right? Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world. What does that mean? I've deprived it of its power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Say so that Jesus did all this for me. He's deprived the world of its power. He conquered it for you and me so that we can enjoy his peace and his comfort. Say that with me. Jesus conquered the world just for me. He gives me his peace and I can have confidence in Him, knowing that He's on my side. That's a promise from Jesus. You know, we get letters from official letters, and you know. This is from heaven. I think we need to take it seriously. I want to tell you that God is not done yet. God has big plans for you. Nothing is impossible for him, and regardless of how dire a situation could look, with God, anything can happen. Now, people might say, what do you mean he's got big plans for me if everything's coming to an end? Since when is the end of this earth the end of everything? We are eternal beings having an earthly experience. When you step out of this body, you're in eternity, already are an eternal being. You don't cease to exist. 
So when you step out, you'll continue growing in the Lord and God will be doing whatever we're going to be doing. We're certainly not floating on around on any clouds like a fat little baby. Kring, kong, kong, on a harp. Well, certainly I ain't. How simplistic and crazy people are imagine heaven as floating on a cloud. Is that peace? Eternity and what God has planned for you and I is so mind-boggling beyond our scope of understanding that the best we can do is paint some clouds and put little blobs of cherubs on there. Because we can't comprehend what God has prepared for us that love Him. As a matter of fact, Paul says that. You cannot imagine or even dream up what God has in store for you. Come on now. We need to be excited about this time. I mean, what's the worst that happens if I drop dead now? I go to heaven. <laughs> it's promotion. I'm not going to drop dead now. But you know what I'm saying? God's not finished yet. With God, anything can happen. You've not seen all that God can do. There is more goodness. There are more miracles and more wonders to come. This side or the next. Jesus said in Mark 9, 23, All things are possible to him that believes. Say that with me. Jesus said in Mark 23, That all things are possible to him that believes. The Message Bible says anything can happen. Hallelujah. The NIV states everything is possible for one who believes. Say that I believe. All things are possible with God. Now, while God can do anything, there is a condition. There is a condition. There is a prerequisite of what is required. What is that? According to Scripture, God can do anything. If we can believe. If you can believe. God can do anything if you can believe. Obviously, Jesus isn't obligated to fulfill someone's selfish desires, no matter how much you believe them. And I'm trusting here that everyone here has surrendered their heart to the Lord, and you want God's best for your life, right? But you can read in Scripture time and time again where God shows up bringing deliverance and victory to those that serve Him, that seek His kingdom first. To whatever level you might know, some very well, maybe some of you here first time, you've heard us for the first time now, but the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, which is Egypt being a type of the world. It's kind of like the rapture being taken out through a deliverer, the ark, so many types and shadows in Scripture of what God has been doing throughout the eons and beyond. And here the Israelites come to the promised land, and they do something which I'll mention in a moment, but it didn't work out for them. And so they end up in the wilderness walking for 40 years. You might think, what a lot of trouble. Sand as far as I can see. You wake up in the morning, there's sand in your bed. You put your slippers on, there's sand in your slippers. You make a cup of coffee, there's sand in your coffee. Now this is already too much now, Lord. Come Lord Jesus. Right? You cook the dinner, the wife tried her best, but somehow sand got in the food. 
Have you ever had something? Crunch, crunch. It's kind of like going to the beach. You know what I mean? It's fun until the sand gets in everywhere. And then you climb back in your tent and there's sand all over the floor. And there's sand in places you didn't even know you had places. It's irritating. Now you can go home and wash, but there, 40 years. No wonder most of them perished and died. <laughs> the sand wore them out. No, it was a terrible place to be. But yet God took care of them. He gave them a pillar of fire to keep them warm, a cloud to provide shade. He provided food, bread, manna, quail, water out of the rock where there was none. But they didn't have to have that experience. But even if they did, and though they went through it, God was with them. And even in these times, it seems like a thousand falling on my left, ten thousand on my right. God says, I'm with you no matter what. But what got them in that condition? Why didn't they just go over and possess the promised land? Well, we can see this in Proverbs, uh, in Numbers 13. From verse 32, Moses sent 12 men to spy out the land of Canaan, right? And 10 of the spies came back. They spent a month, 40 days, more than a month, 40 days in the land, spying out the land, 12 men. They came back. 10 of them had a bad report. They said, we are nothing. They spoke words of defeat. We are grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. They'll just stomp on us, they'll squish us like a grasshopper. And you know what? Those ten were grasshoppers. And they hopped in the sand until they perished. But there were two, Caleb and Joshua, who said, we are more than able. And 40 years later, they came and God got Joshua and Caleb, and they were the first ones over the river charging those giants. They were giant killers. And my question is, what made the difference between the ten and the two? Joshua and Caleb refused grasshopper talk. Instead, they declared, we are well able to overcome the giants, and God gave them the land. God gave them the victory, just like he would have given victory to the other ten had they also believed that with God all things are possible and that God is for them, that he brought them this far and that he would finish what he started in them, right? Family, look how far God has brought us. What has he done in your life for you? Pastor Natalie was mentioning that last weekend, the things that God has already done for us, how far he's taken us. Surely he will take us on to the finish line and beyond. Amen? And because we continue to believe, God makes it happen. During the pandemic, when most people were saying, it's the worst of times, this is the end of mankind. During this political and social hardship and upheaval, people are saying, it's the worst of times, it's the end. And when I've been, you know, I've been around a little bit, just over half a century, I shouldn't say it like that, it sounds terrible. For a few years, just a few decades. And I've heard people say things happening then and fuel shortage and, and the this and the dollars crashing and then the rand did this and the gold did that and, and it's up and down and all the time, right? It's like walking through the wilderness, up one mountain, out the other. But through all of that, God has kept those whose eyes are fixed on Him. 
God is not finished. The best is yet to come. Regardless of the hardships you're facing, don't ever doubt God's goodness and His miracle power. It's never God's ability that is in question, family. Joshua and Caleb, they thought, well, you, I don't know how they dealt with it, looking at these 10 guys all the time, knowing for every year that we spent in the promise, every day we spent in the promised land, 40 days, we got a year of hardship. So every, year of doubt, every day of doubt gave us 365 days of hardship. If I was Joshua and Caleb, I would have put sand, extra sand in their shoes. You know what I mean? And maybe a scorpion every now and again. No, I don't know. But, you know? I mean, because of them, we're spending 40 years walking through the sand. It's never God's ability that is in question. It's our ability to believe that is the real issue. Say that with me. It's never God's ability that is in question. It's our ability. It's my ability to believe that is the real issue. It's fact. So what do I do about this? If you're struggling to believe, there's only one remedy that Mary Poppins could pull out of her bag right now. And she would say to you, more time in the Word and more time with the Holy Spirit is your medicine. There's only one solution. More time in the Word and more time with the Holy Spirit. That's the only solution. I'm glad we have a solution. And it's spending time with our God. Communing with Him. It's not spending time. It's investing time in God's Word. And praying in the Spirit that will build your faith to see God fulfill His promises. The Apostle Paul reveals that he says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Right? Romans 10, 17. So the more Word you get in, the more Word I get in, the more I consume the Word, the less difficulty I'll have believing. Say that with me. The more word I get in, the more word I get in my heart, the less difficulty I'll have believing. And if believing is the problem, I want less of that. And to have less problem believing, I need more faith, more word in my heart. So when we invest time with Jesus, nothing will hide the evidence of that in our lives. But if we don't spend time with Jesus... Nothing will hide the evidence of that either. Do you get that? If we spend time with God, nothing will hide the evidence of it. But if we don't spend time with God, nothing will hide the evidence of it. The two spies spent time with God, and we can see that. They conquered. The ten didn't. We can see that. They doubted. They had hardship, and they perished. More word equals more faith. Say that. More word equals more faith. In the book of Matthew, we see an example with God doing the impossible because someone chose to believe. Here in Matthew chapter 9 from verse 27, there are two blind men following Jesus, crying out for, them, for him to help them for a miracle. And we're told the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, he asked them a question, 
Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Do you believe? And God is still asking us this question today. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? We serve a God of miracles, a God who is on our side. And by believing in the power of God, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. At some point in our lives, we will be forced, at some point in our lives, we will be forced to live in the potential of our faith or live with the consequences of our doubt. At some point in our lives, we will be forced to live with the potential of our faith or live with the consequences of our doubt. The ten and the two. They both got what they expected. I encourage us, family, let's settle it once and for all. There is no limit to what God can do. Say that. There is no limit to what God can do. Here's a scripture, Isaiah 41.10, and I encourage you, get the scripture, stick it on your fridge. or Somewhere where you go frequently. <laughs> Verse 10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Be prepared. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. What is his right hand? It's a sign of authority, sign of ability, sign of power. If God before you, who can be against you? The prophet Jeremiah once declared when speaking about God, he said, there is nothing too hard for thee. In Jeremiah 32, 17. And in verse 27, God speaks back a rhetorical question. And he says, behold, I am the Lord. I am that I am. I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? In other words, test me. Is there anything? I haven't found anything too hard for me. No promise of God is designed to fail. No promise in the scriptures, any promise God has given you, not one of them is designed to fail. Every directive that proceeds from his mouth must reach fulfillment. So that everything God has said, everything he has promised, must be fulfilled. Isaiah 55 from verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. In the same way with my word. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. That's very different to stress and anxiety. You will live in joy and peace, and the mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Even creation celebrates with us how the Word of God brings forth fruit in the earth. God never promises anything that He doesn't intend to bring to pass. Peter confirms this from Isaiah. He says, 1 Peter 1.23, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. 
Okay, so we've been born again to a life that will not quickly end. What kind of life? No, he says, on the contrary, your new life will last forever. Hallelujah. So if you're born again, you will live forever. Now, that doesn't mean the person who is not born again will cease to exist. They will just live in a place where there is no life of God in utter darkness and torment. And we don't want to go there. Jesus paid the price for our sin. And those of you watching online, Jesus paid the price for your sin, for my sin. Best we accept what he did for us. I don't want to pay for my sin in hell forever. And I'm sure you don't want to pay for your sin either. Jesus already did it. It's so much easier to receive that free gift. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living Word of God. And as the Scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower of the field. In the field, the grass withers and the flower fades. But the Word of the Lord remains forever. Say that with me. The Word of the Lord remains forever. I can take it to the bank. You know what that means? I mean, you can cash it every time. And that word is God's good news that was preached to you. So family, there is no limit to what God can do. Our part is if you can believe it. I hear the Holy Spirit encouraging us saying, there's so much I want to do in your life. There's so much I want to do through you. He just wants us to believe Him and respond to Him. Don't be scared. Be prepared. You know, if you go to, we spoke about children of Israel, and we, you can read in Psalm 78, they did many things, and one of the worst they did was they forgot what God did for them. And in verse 10, the Word of God says, And they had not been faithful to God's promise. They refused to follow His teachings. They forgot what He had done, the miracles that He had shown them. And they turned away from God. Verse 42 says, They did not remember His hand, His power. Jesus asks us in Luke 8, verse 18, uh, Luke 8, 18, verse 8. He says, When I return, and now we know He's coming back, when I return, will I find faith amongst my family? Will he find us faithful or faithless with no faith or with lots of faith? As for you and me, he'll find us faithful. Amen? <laughs> we don't want to be like people who forget what God has done for them. He's done miracles before and he's got a lot more to do. But we have to believe God, right? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And our heart's desire is to please him. And we know that we can count on Him in all things. God is not limited. Don't shrink your faith to fit the circumstance. That's not faith. That's taking a step back, moving back, and falling back. Be a person who that believes God for the impossible. And God's not going to ask you to do something that cannot be done. But He'll always ask you to do something that requires Him with you to do it. Come on now. Now, if you've been distracted by the cares and the troubles of this world, you might be sitting here and feeling a little bit condemned, and that's not my intention. You might be thinking, God, have I disappointed you? No. The world might have has been trying its best to drain our faith. But let me encourage you. God is not mad, and He's not disappointed in you or me. 
God loves you so much, and He wants to show you His goodness. So much so that when we confess our sin, He forgives us of that, and everything else we did, we don't even know about. He can't stand there to be division between Him and His children. And Jesus is standing up in Revelation. We'll talk about that next weekend some more. And He's like, ready, ready. He's so eager to meet you in the air with gifts in His hands for you. He loves you. He can't wait to be with you. <laughs> he gave his life to make it possible. So family, I want to end with this. Our words decide our tomorrow. For every word I speak today will paint a portrait of faith, both in my mind and in the minds of those around me. So I encourage us. You know, Jesus said, we are the salt. Say that I am the salt. So I encourage you, being salt, season your talk with faith. Practice faith talk. Tell everyone that you are what you're expecting God to do in your life. Because what you expect, you will have, good or bad. We're the offspring of a perfect God. We need to act like it and talk like it. Faith is voice activated. That means something today. We can't wish faith. That's not faith. Faith is voice activated. So God is not finished with us, family. The best is still to come. God wants to prosper us in all things. God wants us to be prepared and not to be scared. And I want to leave these thoughts with you. Always remember that the giant in front of you will never be bigger than the God inside of you. I said the giant in front of you will never be larger than the God that's inside of you. And no one is too small for God's attention, and no problem is too small for His intervention. God is for you. He's on your side. And He says in Psalm 78 verse 1, Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Let's give special attention to God's word. Amen? Let His promises be fulfilled. Say this with me. Let's make a good declaration of faith. Can we do that? I want us just to say this. We're going to sing a song, and I'm going to pray over you. Those of you who want prayer or you've gone through difficult times, just want us to agree with you, that's what we're here for. We stand together in faith. We're a family, and family sticks together, right? Blood is thicker than water, and we are bound together with the blood of Jesus. Say this with me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. My God supplies all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you saying it like you mean it? Jesus is the author. Say so that Jesus is the author and the finisher of my faith. What He has begun in me, He will complete it. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. God is on my side. If God be for me, who can be against me? God did not spare His own Son, but freely gave Him up for me. How shall He not, with Jesus, freely give me all things? If God be for me, who can be against me? No one, no devil, no person. No system can hold you back. Family, one thought from tonight. God 
Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back to rescue us because we have no hope. He's coming back because He loves us and wants to be with us. He's coming to be with His family. He loves you. He can't wait for you. So don't let the talk of all this bad thing. Prophecy will be fulfilled. But in the midst of all of that turmoil, God's got you. He's got your back. He's got your top, your bottom, and your front. He surrounds you like a shield, and you are on the winning team. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to sing a song, if you don't mind standing. Oh, before we do, yes, let's do that. Let's sing a song. We're going to sing All Hail King Jesus. I think it's a beautiful song. And he's more than worthy that we hail him as king. Amen. While we sing that song, if you want prayer, please come forward. Whatever you want agreement in prayer with, God knows exactly. Come forward. We'll pray with you. Praise the Lord. Stop. 